I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Very welcome to episode 157 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host, and I'm joined by somebody who I first met virtually over a year ago, and I'm really, really excited to have him on the podcast this evening. Welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast, Stanley of The Wicked Hunt. How are you getting on, buddy? Hey, hey, Darren. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's uh, early in the morning here, so I'm still nice and fresh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to be here, excited to uh, chat with you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. You know, I mean, look, I've alluded to that you and I first met virtually through Clubhouse, actually, I think in February 2021. And we had a number of different uh, conversations and exchanged some different thoughts and stuff like that as well during that and since then. So I think you have a phenomenal photography story to tell. And I'm really excited to share that story now with our audience. And I think before I even get into all of this photography business, tell us who is Stanley? Yeah, so um, I, um, just quick background, I was born in Indonesia and then I moved to Australia and now I'm um, nomadic travel photography and a lot of the time people ask me, where is your home? Well, hmm. for now, my home is where my camera's at. <laughs> I'd, um, you know, probably one day I will settle somewhere, but for now I still enjoy, you know, just being around and traveling and, um, you know, um, live off a suitcase. But um, in 2018, I left my um, career as a mechanical engineer. Um, and I always say that that was the time when I was reborn. Because um, at that time, when I left the refinery for um, the, the, the last time, um, I, I was a different person. You know, For the very first 30 years of my life, I made decisions based on what's safe, what's secure. Um, mm -hmm. And ever since then, um, you know, I, I, I made decision based on my passion, my, my love for life instead of a fear. So um, that's, um, that's a little bit about me. And, um, you know, I'm currently in Bali now. Uh, but ever since I left my career, I, I, I went to, um, I, I explored uh, quite extensively um, in Indonesia. And then I drove around the continent of Australia and then nice. I flew to Canada and spent um, two and a half years there exploring you know the the deep freeze cold mm. winter of Canada um, and as well as um, chasing Aurora uh, Borealis up there so it's been a fantastic journey um, you mm. know ever since I left my, my, my career. Yeah and what a place to call your home at the moment you know Bali I mean you know, it's nice it's nice. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not a bad place at, at all for sure and tell me actually how did you and when did you get started in photography when did your photography journey start i mean photography journey you know have started uh, a long long time ago but i've never really um care or passionate about it right um it was the the game changer um, the game changer was in 2015 that was a time when I went to first my first time to Europe, and it was okay. the longest holiday that I've ever had. It was uh, five weeks, 
um, we call it the road to Oktoberfest because you know, we, we, we started <laughs> in London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we started in London and we went down to um, um, went down all the way to South um, France and we drove back up to um, through Bavaria and all that uh, region for nice. Oktoberfest and flew up from Amsterdam. So it was a fantastic trip, right? Um, at that time, I was like, you know, it's like, oh, maybe I'll start doing blogging or take photos and stuff like that. So I start documenting my trip um, more um, mindfully. But when I got home, um, I, I was pretty disappointed on, on what I've managed to capture because nothing really encompassed how that experience was, right? When I mm -hmm. first see the Eiffel Tower the first time or um, the London Bridge or there was actually this um, really cool um, small town called, I think, St. Antiente, if I'm not wrong. And we went to this viewpoint overlooking the city and it was gorgeous. But, you know, looking back to my photos, I was like, I don't think, you know, that's not how I remember it to be. Mm -hmm. So that was the big push of, getting better in photography and um, actually the reason why I got into DSLR was because so at that time I was like okay I want to I want to be better I want to find a better camera at that moment I have like a Canon G12 I think mm -hmm. uh, which was great but you know I want something better so um, I was looking at different cameras the mirrorless the DSLR and then I came across this guy, uh, photography, uh, Michael Goh, um, he used to call his photography Astro Photo Bear. And he had this beautiful Milky Way, you know, like arching, a panorama shot arc arcing over um, the sand dunes in Western Australia where, where, where home was or where home is. Um, and yeah, it, it was, um, that was it. Like, you know, I, I look at that and ever since that, I still have that image burning. I still have the screenshot of that photo or wow. that little post. Right. And the, the only camera that could shoot the Milky Way back then was, um, was DSLR. So that's mm -hmm. how I started to borrow my dad's, um, DSLR and, um, you know, and it, it goes from that, you know, the rest was history. That's a fascinating story because, you know, when you get your hands on something and then you are able to create it for your own point, you're kind of accelerated then even further without you knowing it because you're now bitten by the bug and you're now getting that, you know, oh, wow, I can look at this in the back of the camera and such like that. And to accelerate that on even further then as well. And I know I'm really excited to get into talking about your astrophotography because your astrophotography is some of the best I've seen. It's phenomenal. So, I mean, interesting to how it started out from, from that point of view to be able to see somebody else's images. And you alluded to something a moment ago, I think, which is even more interesting for me is, you know, how your life took a pivot and how your life took a change. And I'm going to read a quote. It's one of your own quotes to you, right? But I want you to expand it a bit further. And the quote is, if today were the last day of my life, would I do what I'm about to do today? Tell us about how this quote has changed your life. Oh man, like just when you say that, I'm getting goosebumps right here. Um, <laughs> it's 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 really what what changed my life. You know, um, at that time I was um, working as an engineer, and uh, being an engineer was was great, right? And I was lucky to work as an engineer that are more hands on in a refinery instead of like you know stuck in a cubicle. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I like personally, I'm not that type of person. I'm a hands on kind of person. Um. 
but at, at, at some point in time, I realized that this is not sustainable, right? Um, being an engineer is great and, um, you know, very comfortable, very good income. And I was working for a company that actually give a, a good kind of um, vacation and stuff like that. But one thing that really frustrates me was um, how when you work for a, a company or, or a business, they will put you into a place where they need you the most to make money, right? Mm-hmm. And... I was, I kept been, I, I kept, um, I, they kept put me into a project that um, no one can seems to fix but, but me for, for some reason. Um, and I was, um, you know, I was, I was getting frustrated because, I, you know, I have a solution and they never really let me follow through with the solution because I needed somewhere else, right? Okay. And even though I got into a position that I really love, they took me away from that position to go back to this recovery mode of this particular problem. So that was really a, a big push on living this this um, this thing. And one of the things that I realized is that working as an engineer, you know, the higher you go in in the corporate ladder, yes, you earn more money, but you lose a lot of time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was um, away from my parents all the time when I was a kid because they were, you know, need to find, um, we're, we're uh, I was growing up from a humble family and they, you know, mm-hmm. need to go out and find a way to, to um, feed us. Um, so I thought to myself, if I ever going to have a kid, I want to be there for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, it started with that. I used to write that on my bathroom mirror. Um, you know, if today were the last day of my life, would I do what I'm about to do today? And for the longest time, the answer was no, until, you know, I started to change. I was like, you know what, if that's not what I would have done today, then what would I do? And I start doing that. And actually, mm-hmm. that's how I found photography, right? That's how I found travel. That's how I found photography. And that's how I fell in love with photography. And that is why I chose to, um, to leave my career as an engineer and start over as a travel photographer. Um, mm. Yeah, and I, I always say that photography has given me hope, purpose, and happiness, and, and that is 100% true. It's fascinating for you to hear that, you know, because I think a lot of people, when they get into photography, they they start out as, as a kind of a hobby aspect of it, but you've taken it to that little, little bit extra, but that a lot extra as well, because you've managed to use photography as a catalyst for change and a pathway on your life. And I mean, the path that has taken you has been absolutely incredible. And you've mentioned a moment about some of the places that you visited, but you're going there with your camera. So tell the listeners of some of the places that this pathway has taken and places that you've photographed to date. Oh, and um, you know that um, if I didn't leave um, my career, I would I wouldn't have this experience. Some of the craziest moment that I have came across as an explorer, as a photographer, or just as a curious person in general in this past what, four, four years now, right? It's just been one of the, the craziest moment that I have ever encountered. And I'm getting goosebumps here again. Um, like there was this one time where um, I went to, during, during my trip around Australia, I went to um, this tiny island off the mainland called um, Tasmania. I'm not sure if you heard of it. Um, I know it's, Tasmania, it's, yeah. 
yeah it's it's beautiful it's uh it's so much more beautiful than the whole australia i'd say because <laughs> <laughs> it's all like concentrated right yeah. um but we went for a hike long story short we went for a hike and i was like yeah taking photos whatever and then it was like we came back it's like okay let's go to a campsite and then what we didn't realize we didn't do our research properly what we didn't realize the campsite that we want to go to was like 10 kilometers track and we came back quite late it was already dark and at like you know eight o'clock or something like that and it was gonna be thunderstorm as well the forecast i was like this is not going well Mm -hmm. so i started calling every different um campsite um or camper van uh caravan van and uh, there's this one place that opened nothing else there's this one place left and he was like yeah come around Um, we can help you out so we drove there. It wasn't that far. It was about 10 minutes, 15 minutes away. We got there and then it's like, okay, the gate is closed. Give her, give her a call. It's like, okay, so we're here. And, and she was just like, okay, just leave your car there. Um, come to the beach. Like, just come to the beach. Leave everything there for now. And I was like, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to the beach. And it is one of the coolest things that I have ever seen in my, in my life the bioluminescent have you ever seen that seen the what sorry bioluminescent oh i've never seen it i've never seen bioluminescence but i really wanted to see i want to see it yeah it's it's gorgeous it's basically a plankton that um their defense mechanism is to light up in the water when um light up in the water when there is there are movements right Mm -hmm. so we're on the beach i was like man i was just like you know my mind was blown away right and then i was was like throwing water uh throwing sand and stuff trying to make you know them light up and take photos and i was just like it's not a great photo and i was like okay whatever you know it's great to be able to see it i was happy i was like once in a lifetime moments right Mm -hmm. but then the rain started to came down right the storm finally came down and what happened when those rain droplets hit the water Mm-hmm. It creates movement. Mm-hmm. So the whole ocean lit up. Wow. It was wow. like, um, I call it the disco in the water because um, it, it was literally just that. And, you know, when you were there, it was just like click, 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 click. It was yeah. one of the craziest moments. Um, you know, that, that's, that's one of the examples that, um, that I have from that. And I think one of, the, one of my favorite shots so far is from a night where I managed to get the trifecta shot of the Milky Way with the Aurora and the Comet Neowise. And oh, Comet nice. Neowise doesn't come for another 6,800 years mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if they do. So, and, and that was that was an insane story as well. Um, I'm not sure if you want me to go through that <laughs> story, Darren. <laughs> no, but you know what? It kind of sums it up, you know? I mean, you can go to different countries, you can see different things, but you can experience things because of that route and that path that you've taken. And like you've mentioned there about, you know, you, you've taken a couple of photographs and such like that by throwing sand in the water, but then all of a sudden nature has a better idea and creates something far superior to what you could ever create. And like speaking of being able to create types of images, like what types of photos have you been able to create in your journey so far? I've alluded to, you know, uh, your astro, you've mentioned, you know, the, the, the trifecta, the perfect image in relation to three of these things, but Give us, a, give us a taste of the different types of images that you've taken over the last four years on this journey. I mean, um, I'm, 
I'm more of, um, you know, I, I like to do a lot of things. I get bored with um, stagnant thing. I guess that's why nine to five doesn't work. And I love traveling yeah, photography, yeah. right? Yeah. Go figure. Um, but one of the, um, you know, I, my photography have shifted a lot. The journey have shifted a lot. Like most people, we start with emulating, right? And I didn't even understand that concept before. I was just like, um, in Indonesia, that whole trip in Indonesia was about emulating. And um, I call it Instagram landscape photography because <laughs> I would mm-hmm. look at Instagram. I was like, yeah, I want a photo like that. We go to the place and you know start to take photo. Yes, yeah, sometimes I do have a creative side of it, but majority mm-hmm. of it was was you know I, I was trying to emulate and the 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 one that i didn't emulate was the one that i really passionate about um and then in in australia uh uh so i came to australia it was still kind of the emulation and in 2019 that's when i realized that okay I need my own voice. I need, you know, this, this is like, I just didn't enjoy this emulation period. Um, and that was because I was submitting a lot of like my photos into awards, right? I was like, I mm-hmm. want to get this confirmation that I'm on the right path. And there was like, I don't know, I submit maybe like 30, 40 images. And I, I got only two back that got awarded. And those two are the one that are truly unique to me. So okay. that changed my whole mindset but i guess what i'm trying to say is that throughout the the whole journey um you know it i took photo from landscape um astrophotography took a lot of aurora shots i love you know i love um auroras or uh, milky way shots um Mm -hmm. but at the same time um i like to do portraits as well um you know i like i in, in, in Canada, I do, um, that's how I earned my, my income was mostly through portrait, um, mm-hmm. as well as tours. But, um, I do portraits. I do, um, uh, I, I got into fashion at one point. Okay. I was thinking I want to be a fashion photographer. Uh, I got to into resort and real estate. That was the first thing that got into my mind when I first came to Bali. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just work with this resort and stuff. Um, so almost everything I have tried, um, you know, I think the one thing that I haven't really tried is food photography. Um, that's, that's the, the only thing that I haven't tried and perhaps some other stuff, but yeah, I just love trying these different things. Um, you know, cause, um, I came across this passion of photography by just trying different things. Mm-hmm. And I have that same feeling about photography itself. Um, you know, I want to try different things so that I know what I really enjoy. And now I'm kind of at that point of, you know what? I like anything that is basically different, right? Um, whether it's a popular spot or not, I always look for that unique perspectives. That's that's mm-hmm. what I always say in my mission is to find that unique perspectives. And for most case. That's where astrophotography and aurora comes in because mm-hmm. not many people like to be out there hiking a mountain that's, you know, 1500 meters up um, with, you know, 12 to 18 kilograms on your back just to be able to catch this beautiful Milky Way from the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the higher, the, the biggest, the, the bigger the struggle, the higher the triumph, um, you know, and it's, 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 it's. It doesn't matter if I get the shot or not, but it uh, it's always feels so fulfilling, and that's what fuel my passion. 
And that's quite interesting, you know, because if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it and everybody would be doing it, you know, great. I mean, the fact is that the more hard work you put in, as you say, the better the, the outcome, better the reward. And, you know, you mentioned a moment ago that you're in Bali. So, like, what's Bali like now from a astrophotography point of view? Do you get the clear skies there? Is there areas that you can go and catch Milky Way? Tell me, how's Bali fulfilling that need now for your astrophotography bug? Oh, Bali is a bit um, a bit difficult. It's very challenging. Uh, first of all, the the light pollution, um, which you know, if you mm-hmm. go kind of further north, it's not as big of a problem. But you never really get a sky that's as pristine as um, Australia. Um, I have this shot from my trip in Australia, where the Milky Way um, goes a, um, a curve around it with the Boab tree, which is like um, I think it's only in in Western Australia. Okay. And it was the the the, the crisp the most crisp um, photograph that I've ever taken in in uh, with the Milky Way because that was in the middle of nowhere and there was I think there was like a street light of maybe a kilometer of you know like a T junction of a kilometer um, street lights and there was like nothing else there you know um, nice. for for kilometers and kilometers and you get really nice pristine light. Now, even in Canada, even when you go to like the middle of the um, national park and you go for a hike, right, <laughs> to the mount top of the summit, um, you mm-hmm. still see glow of that that city. Um, so mm. Australia is hands down one of the the most pristine night sky that I've ever come across. And here in Indonesia, it, it becomes trickier, right? Because the population is a lot more dense and compact, especially in Java and in Bali. But the mm-hmm. biggest trouble here are the clouds. Um, they are so hard, <laughs> so hard to... Um, to corporate and um, usually when the timing is good for the Milky Way, <laughs> the clouds is you know out, and yeah. as soon as the full moon is out, the clouds is gone. I'm like, come on! So <laughs> yeah, it's it's been frustrating. I have a few nice shots of um, of uh, Milky Way here in Bali, but um, not as much as I would have had if I were in uh, Canada or uh, in Australia for sure. Well, we actually have a dark sky reserve here in Ireland as well. It's in Kerry, and uh, it's one of the few, I suppose, globally. But the problem that we have is clouds. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you do have no light pollution whatsoever, and you can get some really, really nice, you know, clear skies. But again, yeah, the 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 problem with astrophotography in most cases really is either light pollution or clouds, and clouds are something that uh, comes to Ireland quite a lot because from the Atlantic on a regular basis. Yeah, and you know. Stanley, I suppose an interesting thing for me as well, I think, in relation to your philosophy and, you know, your way in relation to photography is that you have a mission and it's to help people with their photography, but also in life with your own great mindset. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, look, um, you know, I think it goes back a lot to my journey in life, right? Um, It took me 30 years to figure out that there are more to life and um, you know, this, this four, uh, the four years that I've been doing travel photography, I felt more alive than the first 30 years, right? Um, wow. it, it, it's been the hardest and it's been the most fulfilling and the happiest moment of my life, right? Hands down. And I think people should experience that. People, um, I know that everyone's different. I know that some people are like that security of nine to five. 
And that's okay, right? I'll never say that you know you have to quit your job and go travel across the world, which mm-hmm. is exactly what I did. But I think it's important to have a passion. Um, you know, back when I was an engineer, that was the one thing that I I I did not have was a, a purpose. You know, mm-hmm. I was waking up in the morning. I came back home. I you know do whatever. Um, I go back the next morning, do the same exact thing, and then the weekend comes. I would get you know smash and get drunk and party mm-hmm. and you know all this artificial um, happiness that you look for, but it's not really sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to find a passion that you that could fuel your life, that give you a they give you a purpose in life, right? Um, whether you want to do it as a hobby, as a side hustle, or as a full-time, it's really up to you. But get out of that mundane routine. Get out of that comfort zone because there are more to life than what is in your comfort zone. And I think it doesn't matter what are your comfort level, what are your security level. You should experience that for yourself and figure it out for yourself. If you don't like it, you can always go back, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you, it might just be the one thing that changed your life forever. Very interesting. And I think it's something that a lot of people think about, but very rarely act on, you know, and the grass is always greener on the other side, but you don't know how green it's going to be until you set foot on it. And it's not going to be something that, you know, as you say, you can always go back. It depends on the stage that people are within their life. And I think it's a very good mindset to have, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's try things, see how you go. But don't have regrets at the end of your life and saying, I should have tried that. Nobody, you know, will ever kind of give out to somebody other than yourself for the things that you've always had a dream to do. If you don't actually go and actually give that a go as well. So yeah, good advice and a good mindset, I think to have for people, particularly through photography, because photography is something that a lot of people enjoy. Um, A lot of people, you know, they start off, as you say, as a kind of a hobbyist or a side hustle or whatever it may be. But, you know, if they're on the deathbeds and they're in their eighties or nineties and kind of going, you know what, I should have done that then. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work out, you always go back. Or it does work out and you go on a different path, just like you. So yeah, very good advice, very good, very good advice. Um, I have one question for you, actually, before I go to my uh, first break in it. And it's something that has come to the photography world in the last 12 months. And I know that you have a lot to say, I suppose, in relation to it. It's NFTs. And NFTs is something, you know, it's, it's kind of polarized the photography world. You know, some people love it, some people hate it. But What's your viewpoints in relation to NFTs? So it's really interesting about NFT, right? Um, it is a new technology. It's very exciting. And um, there are a lot of um, controversial, uh, controversial um, opinion about it, um, whether it's a scam, whether it's going to be there for a long run, whether um, you know it's good for the environment. Um, and... You know, it's 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 really funny that when you when you kind of um, see things from the outside, it's really hard to judge of what it is. Um, I remember when I first looking at NFT just from the outside. Um, you know, it was like, oh yeah, it's a way to make money, right? Um, you put your your mint your um, NFT, your photo as an NFT, and you get to sell it. Um, one of the things that I really like about NFT is the fact that you can get verified as the artist, 
and the fact that that is that will always stay with that uh, artwork forever to come right and it's kind of a way to leave a legacy um you know mm. with, with the prints and stuff like that things you know things deteriorate um get burned um dusty whatever it may be you know it, it's gone away and um you know even even if it stays people might not know who took those photos. But with NFT, you get verified as a creator that this is the person that creates it. So that is one of the biggest things that, um, that, that really attract me to the NFT is that the fact that you can authenticate yourself as a creator. I mean, let's face it, you know, if you're a photographer, if, you, uh, um, if you're a photographer or content creator, um, we are sick of people stealing stealing our photos, copying, mm-hmm. pasting it, and use it for their needs. We thought credits going back to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's it's just very frustrating. So when this technology kind of appears, that's that's one of the things that that really intrigued me. Yes, um, at the same time, you could earn money from it, and that's the other thing that most people are attracted to it. Um, a lot of people came into the NFT for um, to be able to make a living, um, to earn money. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of people came to the NFT as a quick gr- cash grab. And that's where it becomes um, dangerous, right? Um, I mean, when you think about it, it's the same like Instagram um, or social media. If you're in it just for the likes, then it's probably not going to be sustainable. You're probably not going to be there for a longer term because you're going to burn out. You're going to hate yourself because you don't get, uh, you might not get the the uh, approval that everyone else have. And let's face it, we can never make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, NFT is a, a bit similar to that, right? Um, I think it is a tool. It is an exciting tool for the future. There are so many different applica- applications that you can do um, as an NFT into to bridge the, the real life as well as to, um, to, to create this new future for the artist and the creative world. Um, I mean, I can't. I don't think we have the time to kind of go through each of the objections in this podcast. But mm-hmm. one advice that I would say is immerse yourself in it, then give it um, a, a judgment for yourself instead of you know sitting on the sideline and judging it by its cover. Um, it's I think one thing that I realized in this journey, you know, ever since I do a travel photography, um, especially when I immerse myself in a place you learn about the culture you learn about the ins and outs and the things that are good the things that are bad right but from the outside it's easy to judge but you you don't know the whole story until you are there and i think it's exactly the same thing with nft um you know it's nft community is actually one of the best community that i have come across in uh, photography world um it it is very supportive and yes there are some part where it's not perfect as well where you know there might be a scam there are a lot of anxiety because people having that um, uh, expectation right and we call it FOMO but at the end of the day that's with everything else that's with Instagram that's with um, you know the internet there are a lot of scams there are a lot of expectations so it's not 
like NFT is a tool and it's not about the tool. It's about how you utilize the tool to um, push your goal further. And for me, I, you know, ever since I got into NFT, um, when I first started, I didn't have the right mindset. But once I immerse myself in there, I use the NFT as a way to continue my mission, to share my photography, to be able to reach more people. And, um, you know, I have a plan of, well, it's not a plan already, um, you know, like um, as part of my NFT is that if you purchase my NFT, you get access to me either as a mentor or if you're not a photographer and you, you know, want to enjoy um, my photograph, then you do get a print, right? Uh, but this kind of things help me to fulfill my mission um, mm-hmm. through this new tool of NFT. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's that's the advice that I would get is that um, immerse yourself in it, try it for yourself, see it for yourself, and judge it um, once you have all the answers. And I think it's a very good overview in relation to NFT, Stanley. You know, I mean, I did a podcast with uh, Adrian Modi from Night Night Films specifically on NFTs because I wanted to understand them a bit further. And everything that you've said to me here, you know, you're you're taking a technology which is now relevant and new, but is also going to be there from the future aspect of that. And I think you know, the idea of giving the extra bit, I think that makes all the difference as far as the, the community goes, because, you know, you're no longer just buying a, a digital asset. You're actually getting an investment in the person, but also you can have a print of that as well. So you can hang it up on the wall if you wish yourself, you know what I mean? And that's something that you're adding extra value on as opposed to, as you say, you know, I'm going to put up an NFT, see how many ETH I can get for it. Okay, grand job, next NFT. And, you know, that's where I think the difference uh, would it be. So, yeah, a really, really comprehensive overview and a very, you know, interesting to hear your thoughts on it as well. What I'm going to do, Stanley, is I'm going to take a very quick break and I'll be right back after this because I want to talk to you a bit more about um, your awards and different things that have happened as well over the years in your photography so far so yeah we'll be right back after this if you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests gear reviews lots of hints and tips and above all else keeping you company while you drive or relax thanks very much for listening please consider subscribing leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast and you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Stanley, like I said there from the first part of the show, I'm really excited now to kind of get in more detail and get into the nuts and bolts in relation to how you think about and how you go about in your photography. But one of the things you mentioned there when you start, first started off is that you started to send images into contests and you've number, won a number of rewards in relation to that. Tell me, how has that journey been for you so far? Yeah, I mean... Um... Awards is an interesting thing, right? Um, I first um, submit my photo into award, not for the award itself, but more of to get a confirmation whether or not I'm on the right path. Um, and I think, um, you know, there are a few different ways to, to kind of go about that feedback. And at that point in time, that was the only way that I knew. Um, I didn't have anyone. I didn't know anyone to get a feedback from. I did not have the community and the contact that, um, you know, I have now to, to ask for feedbacks and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anyone that taught photography back then, actually. Okay. So, um, you know, that was my only way to know whether I'm on the right path or not. And over the years, you know, I've won 
over a hundred awards, and um, yeah. it kind of it kind of shift and it, it helped me shift actually. So the first year in 2018, I've got two, two national award and one really small one uh, from this magazine, uh, from Skylung. So um, this software mm-hmm. company. Um, and I, then I did in- a podcast with them actually. And I did a contest with the CEO. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I know Skylum. Yeah. It's a great software. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. yeah no, it's a, uh, it's very interesting software actually. Um, but, on in 2019, I've won. Um, I think it was 30 awards, and in 2020, I've won. You know, it was like 70 or 80 awards, and you know, I, w- I would submit just about the same amount, right? To to the same amount of place um, and awards and stuff. And the difference there is is that like the first year, it was my photos wasn't original. Right, it wasn't um, a scroll stopper. It wasn't a groundbreaking, and it was it was basically like an Instagram shot. And mm-hmm. you know, that's when um, I was very fortunate. At the end of that 2018, come across this guy from one of the awards that um, I think he got second place or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, and you know, we had a chat for about I don't know a good five ten minutes, you know, and he gave me a bit of feedback, and that's where I was like. Ah, okay. That's why you know the, my other photo didn't work out. So from 2018, that's when I realized how important composition is. How mm-hmm. important what I call your vision as a photographer, right? The way you see the world and the way you present the world and the way you tell that story to your audience. Um, at that time, um, I was still do, doing most uh, very basic editing um, on my on my Lightroom, and you know, um, it was it was basically just just the basic editing. But I realized then, so I kept asking myself, like, okay, what is missing? What is missing, right? And um, I realized then that the one thing that I missed uh, from two thousand nineteen was not the cat. Was not the 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 composition it wasn't the photo that i took it wasn't the technical side of it because as an engineer i get that technical side of it really quick that was Mm -hmm. you know one of the things that i i i I comprehend very quickly but the creativity is actually the other way around i I was struggling a lot with the creativity so in in 2020 um i focused a lot in post-processing how to get the most out of your image that you have already shot and also how you bring your personality into the photos and that's 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 one of the reason um, you know it, it kind of changes through that right because now all of a sudden um, my photo are unique to everyone else and as a judge right they would have hundreds if not thousands of photos to pick for you mm-hmm. have to stand out like that right away and if it doesn't stand out it will not get big and from there, that we'll look into the smaller details about, you know, okay, the technical aspect. Is, is it sharp? Is it, um, you know, all these different technical aspects and then um, usually can be um, completed through post-processing. So that is, that is a little bit um, uh, a journey about why I enter awards and the, the reason behind it. And it goes back to the NFT. It goes back to the social media. I think it's important to understand the why instead of just knowing that you know you, you want to get um, like money from me or you want to get awards from me and you know it's it's okay if that is the case but 
um, you just want to understand that um, that is the case so that you don't have this unreal expectation of what it is. Mm. And I think that's a very good bit of advice as well on that, because, you know, your photography has improved as a direct result from entering those contests and you fine tuned your photography as well. And I suppose you've probably changed your approach as well to photography and going out to taking a shoot and and, and talk to me, I suppose, how would you prepare for a typical shoot? What would you do to prepare? Is there a lot of planning that you go into it or do you fly in a seat of your pants? Tell me, how do you prepare for a typical shoot? It's uh so let, let's put it into two type of shot right um two two type of photo trips um, I think the first one is a well planned shot or you know for example the time where I was in Canadian Rockies and have a really small window to capture comet Neowise and I have this vision of mine of you know I want to be able to capture the Canadian Rockies feel with the mountains around it and I know I want to find a lake because at night you don't get much light. So then, you know, the light kind of give you that dynamic instead of just a mm -hmm. um, black thing <laughs> on yeah. the foreground. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when that kind of stuff happened, um, especially with the Milky Way, um, as you mentioned earlier, you kind of need to have a better planning, um, you know, understanding where it's going to face, whether the Milky Way going to line up, um, you know, all the foreground and the lights and whether you're going to do light painting, are you going to use um, light pollution as a source of light to light your foreground? All mm -hmm. of this kind of stuff really need to come into play. Um, the other type of photo trips is where, let's say, if I go for a backcountry trip, right? Um, for example, in about 20 days from now, I will go to Nepal, right? Nice. Uh, for 22 days tracking. And with that, I don't, I, I don't know like what I, what to expect because I've never been to the trail. I you know I don't know what it is, but I have enough knowledge to kind of see it's like okay well as I usually as I go through it right um, I would observe my surrounding the landscape right whether it is facing east whether it's facing north do I have a chance for the Milky Way to line up with it to curve over it. Um, where this, uh, where does it face? Where the mountain face? Is it facing east or west? And that mm -hmm. will give me an indication of should I shoot this during sunset or sunrise and so forth, right? Those mm -hmm. kind of things always go at the back of my mind. But I think one of the most important thing, whether you are planning your photo or uh, photo trip or you just come with uh, <laughs> a gear and a camera, to a, an adventure, I think the most important thing is to observe and to have an open mind. Um, you know, it's it's in real life. Nothing really, uh, nothing always um, come as we expect it. And mm -hmm. I think it's important to adapt and to be able to to change your your approach. And if you have this fixated vision of what you want to capture from one scenery or one photo trip you will miss all the other beautiful things around mm -hmm. it uh, mm -hmm. when it presents itself right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think that is um and i have experienced this firsthand right um when i go to eiffel tower for example i was there to shoot eiffel tower and I took a whole bunch of eiffel tower even though it wasn't great but looking through 
other people photos, other people posts. And I was like, I didn't notice that. It's like, where mm-hmm. was that? It was like, mm-hmm. I could see the Eiffel Tower there, but where was this thing that looks really interesting? And that is the danger of, um, of having that tunnel vision and having that expectation, you know. Um, it's good to have an expectation. It's good to have a vision, but you need to have an open mind. And mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons why I call my journey the wicked hunt. It's, it's a way for me to tell my mind and my headspace that, you know what, regardless what you're going to get, regardless um, what it is, whether or not you get what you want as you, you vision it, at the end of the day, it's the journey that matters. It's the hunt that makes it all rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's, um, that's what I would say to, to that. And it's interesting, you know, to, to have an open mind and be open for change. And, you know, you could plan everything you want. But, like, again, you know, if you're planning everything and it doesn't go that way, then you could be pissed off and you go, okay, geez, I thought I was going to get this and it's not going to work out. And you go home with, you know, a bad mindset. And I think like that's something I want to touch on next. I mean, I've kind of already mentioned it in relation to your life journey. But, like, how – tell me a bit more about your about your mindset and how – that is important, not only from a photography point of view, but overall in, in, in life and helping people from that point of view. I mean, do you try and manage your own expectation from a shoot first and foremost? Or if you're going out with a group of people, you influencing their mindset is very, very important as well, because you could always have uh, somebody who's a, a Debbie Downer, you know, oh, it's never they're, they're expecting it to be the best, even though it's 95 percent good. I mean, how important is mindset in photography? Uh, I think, you know, mindset is very important in everything in life, whether it's photography, whether your happiness, whether your future, whether your business, whatever it is in life. I think that is the biggest thing that you have to guard down. Right. And um, Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, I I came to my lowest point um, since I left my career and pursued this full time uh, back in January. And um, I, I, I realized then that something had to change. I was, you know, going going down the wrong way, right? In terms of mm-hmm. my happiness, my fulfillment and stuff like that. So I seek for help. And that is, I think it's really important to surround yourself with people who already been there and who be able to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, um, I think at the end of the day, it's, we don't always get what we want, but we will always get what we need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Someone just call a song after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is such an important thing to have that uh, a mindset to have that you have everything you need right now, um, and everything else that you want in life will come to you. You know, if mm-hmm. not now, then you know so, uh, uh, at 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 a point in a future time but one thing that you need to remember is that to you need to believe that you can get there and you need to trust the process you need to enjoy the journey and and go through with the journey um and i guess it goes back to with um you know business with uh, social media with nft and this unreal of expectation that things would happen in a snap of finger because it doesn't, right? Um, and 
I, I used to think that way as well um, when I first jumped into it. And I was like, oh, I'll take great photos. I'll just post a bunch of stuff. I'll be famous, right? But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not the real world. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the people that have already made it, that people kind of see and seem like it's an overnight success, actually have put so much effort, so much work, they have gone through a lot of struggle, um, you know, as well as successes to get to where they are today. Mm-hmm. And um, I know this uh, because, you know, in, in my podcast, that's, that's, that is the main, um, the main goal of it is to show people that things doesn't happen as quickly as you thought it is. You know, mm-hmm. they it doesn't go as smoothly as you thought it is. There is, there are a lot of um, learning curves. There are a lot of dips, dep- uh, depression, burnouts, and all this stuff. So, yeah, um, I I truly believe that if you want it, you can have it. You just need to believe in it. And mm. if you believe in it and you keep going, it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen in three years' time. But eventually, it will come to you when the time is right. And the most important thing is to um, to surround yourself with positive people who support you, right? Um, that will lift you up to get to where um, where you want to be, um, mm-hmm. you know. And to focus on the successes, the small successes, the tiny successes, even mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. instead of your failures. And I think that's one thing that we don't do enough. We don't give ourselves a pat in the back when small successes happen because we have this big expectation of in our life. And um, one thing that I learned that really changed my mindset from Tony Robbins, I, I took like four, four days seminar with him, is that if you have an expectation, um, replace that with gratitude, right? Because... Because when you do that, then you are thankful of what, whatever it is that happened. Um, and it's usually better than what you had in mind uh, when, you, you know, when, you, when you think of it that way. So, yeah. That's, that, that's good advice. And actually, you know, something here you just mentioned, tell our listeners about your own podcast and what can they expect on your own podcast? Because that's quite interesting. You mentioned there about, you know, the, the, the guests that you talk to on your own podcast. But here's an opportunity. Tell the Irish Photography Podcast listeners about your podcast. Yeah, so uh, thanks for, for that opportunity, Darren. Um, my podcast grew out of my burnout in 20, end of 2019, 2020, I believe. Um, and I was just like, oh, I was at a point where, um, again, I have this expectation that by then I have you know everything figured out when you know we're probably never going to figure everything out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but then I started to think about, you know what, I, uh, I, I love to hear people's journey, right? Um, this photographer's journey. Is it really like, um, is it really this overnight success that they just get lucky that everything, all the stars line up, um, you know, and it just happened overnight? Or do they go through like, you know, all this journey that are um, long and winded and, you know, um, throw you curveball and all this stuff and I've talked to uh, many um, respected photographers in the field like Matt Peter Iver- uh, Iverson, Felix Inden, uh, Paul Ziska one of my um, mentor and idol um, who else like Ryan Dyer right and none of them 
none of them happen in a snap of a finger, right? Mm-hmm. They have a massive, massive success, but behind that success, there are a lot of hard work. There are a lot of grind. There are a lot of um, um, long, uh, long lost sleep, like long, um, long week of no sleep on, on trying to make that work, right? Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. kept going and going because that is their passion because they... That is the thing that makes them happy, make them feel fulfilled. That's the thing that gives them hope, purpose, and happiness. So mm-hmm. just hearing these people's journey really changed my whole mindset about things, right? To, be, to have more pa- uh, patient, to, have more, um, to be more humble, right? And to have less expectation, but more gratitude for where have you come so far? And, um, you know, one thing that I, um, that I always say is that when, when uh, I, and I get this from hiking, right? Um, I, I, when I started hiking, I, was, I wasn't the best hiker. Um, I was very weak and I carry a lot of gear because I want my camera and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you always look to, for, the, for the summit, it always looks so far away, even if it's so close. But mm-hmm. if you look back, you can see how far you've come. And that will change and that will show you that you you are not the same from yesterday. You have moved forward. So um, that, that, that is basically the whole, um, you know, the whole thing about the podcast. And, you know, I have the pleasure of interviewing you there as well uh, for the same reason. You know, you do a lot of things. You have family, um, you have a business, you have uh, photography as a hobby, right? But you still do all these things in terms of social media, YouTube and all this stuff. And you share how you, you do that because you have the right mindset, the right purpose, the right why, not because you want to get followers, not because, you know, you want to get, um, you want to earn money. I mean, I believe that all of that will, it, it's a given. If you do your passion, if you do the right thing, and if you follow through with what you're going to do, then all of that will come true. Of course, there's going to be the algorithm and, you know, all this stuff that come into it. But at the end of the day, the core foundation of it is your passion and your purpose of why you're doing it. That's going to make this sustainable. Yeah. And, you know, look, it's been a pleasure to be on your podcast. And look, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your podcast as well into the show notes as well for this. And I think people can go back and listen to some of the great interviews as well as my own. You know, I mean, OK, go listen to my interview with Stanley. Yeah, <laughs> a very good one. But yeah, people can go listen to your podcast, I think, because it is quite an interesting concept. And it is something I think which everybody can benefit from because, you know, look, at the end of the day, we, we all use the toilet exactly the same way, but it's how we think about using the toilet that makes us different, let's just say. And everything that we do, it starts with a thought. And, you know, that thought can either be a good thought or a bad thought. You know, I mean, Henry Ford had a statement, which is, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And that's really important that if we understand that. So I think, look, yeah, I think your podcast is a very interesting one. And I'll put the link in the show notes, because what that will do as well also is, you know, it opens you up to different ways of thinking by getting exposure to different people. And you're, you're talking about a subject that everybody is going through on a daily basis as well. So yeah, look, um, really, really, really good uh, show that you have there as well. Um, and yeah, I'll put the link, like I said, into the description. Thank you. Um, appreciate that. No problem. I mean, look, the, the next thing I want to talk to you about, I suppose, is you know how your photography has allowed you to be able to work with many large different organizations around the globe. And I mean, a couple of those, just to mention, I mean, you've worked with Nash, Nat Geo, you've worked with uh, TED Talks, uh, Canon, 
and case filters, just to name a few. But tell me, how does that happen and what's it like working with the large organizations like that? Yeah, um, so um, uh, I got my photo published on Canadian Geography um, through the contest. And, you know, um, that really opened up a lot of window because, you know, once you have um, a photo in Canadian Geography, that kind of just, you know, kind of put you in there. And it's one of a good reason why you should... Um, you should um, submit your photo into contests, right? You get to leverage that. Like um, some contests have like a lot of media release and press release, and um, a lot of if you if you search if you Google my name Stanley Arianto on on Google, um, you know some of that exposure is from that as well. So it's what it just goes to show how um, how beneficial uh, uh, an award can be, um, but. Working like with uh, with big organization like you know Canon and stuff like that, it's great. Like you know, um, it, 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 of course, at the end of the day, there is always a positive and a negative. Uh, you know, being um, uh, a pro partner with Case Filter, and I had a collaboration with Canon Australia as well on a couple of their campaigns. Um, it's it's great to be part of their um, their campaign and their um, their journey. Right, because they are a big brand. Um, but when I first started photography, um, I told myself right away that I'm not gonna do, um, I'm not gonna do anything for the money, purely for the money. I should say, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what I did when I decided to become an engineer. It was because you know it was a, a, <laughs> the shortest amount of time to have the biggest salary when I graduated. <laughs> I yeah, kid you yeah. not. That, that yeah, okay. was the reason why. So okay. uh, for that reason, I never really got into commercial photography, right? Because I knew that commercial with a commercial photography, even though it's, it's great for your name, for your uh, brand and all that stuff, but it's not going to be... Um, it, you are working at the mercy of... Um, of Others. Of, of others of what they yeah. want it's not yeah. your vision it's not necessarily your vision and i told myself that when it come to that if i do get offered a, a commercial photography then i will only do it when it aligns with my values right and that's i think that is really important um having said that though it doesn't mean that if you do need the money it doesn't mean that you should turn this down it's okay to do it purely for the money for the short term as long as you have a, a way out so yeah I, I i guess you know i haven't really worked with that many brands um to be frank i think the biggest one i had was um with canon australia and case i'm a pro partner of case filter um and brights of asia that was the other really big one um but at the end of the day you know it it it's really important to follow through with your why and why you want why you are in this industry because we all know like no one ever think about photography as a career right away right mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. start because they enjoy photography and they always think about um, you know, it's like, oh, maybe I could make this full time and do the things that you love. But no one think, you know, there's no crazy people that get out of high school and think, you know what, I'll do photography. It's a good way to make money. 
right? <laughs> no, no one would think about that. So it's really important to remember why you start photography and stick with that because otherwise you will get burned out. You lose your passion and you'll get lost along the way. Mm-hmm. That, very, very good advice. And, you know, and, and work with brands that align with your own values, as you say, is an important one as well because you're attaching your name to something which is important to remember because that stays there forever, you know? So you don't want to be, you know, you know, whatever it may be X brand today, Y brand next week. And then all of a sudden X and Y were no good. You need X, Y, you know? So like, that's where I think the important part comes in and be true to who you, you are as a, as a person, I think from the, from the outset. Okay. Um, I have one final question to go before I go for my last break. Right. And it's, an, it's a question I've introduced into the podcast over the last number of months, but I'm looking forward now from your own mindset point of view and your own photography style as well to hearing your answer to this next question. So is it the photographer that creates the image or is it the scene that presents itself? Yeah, that's um, that's a really hard question, isn't it? Um, I I think there's a little bit of both, right? Um, a, a photographer can create a scene and create an artificial lights, um, especially in astrophotography. You know, um, I do a lot of self-portrait to kind of include myself in the landscape so that there are a focal point in that in that point of view but mm-hmm. i think at the end of the day uh, when it comes to landscape photography when it comes to nature photography the biggest asset that you have is your eyes and your vision and your perspectives um, that is how you can find unique perspective from even the most popular place right if you because at the end of the day um I believe that everyone is unique. We are we are unlike each other. You know, we might have some similarities, but we mm-hmm. are different from everyone else. And if you could just channel that personality into what's around you, you could have this connection between you and the nature and create something that's truly unique. And that whole mission about, you know, capturing the unseen perspective of the world that that I set myself into when I first started this photography journey is for that reason, is that I remember the days when I used to follow Instagram and, you know, trying to get this exact shot. But I wasn't connected to my work. I wasn't proud of it. I wasn't connected to the nature, right? Um, I miss a lot of things. I miss, you know, the the tiny ice crystals on on the foreground. Um, you know, these beautiful plants that just on the side there because I was only looking at that one focal point. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, I think there is there are a, a, a little bit of both, and. Um, it's it's the connection between yourself, your personality, and the nature, the landscape is gonna be the thing that makes your photography truly different, right? That's how um, judges can set you apart from your thousands and uh, from the thousands and thousands of submission. That's gonna be the things gonna stop the scroll on Instagram, Facebook, etc. And most importantly, most importantly, it's going to be the thing that you're going to be proud of, right? And it's going to be the photo that you will remember for a lifetime, as well as a photo that will give you a true fulfillment 
not because of the likes, not because of winning awards, not because it get exhibited, but it's because it's something that you capture because you have this connection with the nature that is truly yours, that is truly unique, like no no one else. So yeah, I I think you know just to wrap that up, um, I have taken over. I think 200,000 photos so far, right, on my library. And mm. I could say that, you know, probably not even 1% of it, I truly, truly passionately proud about it, right? Because there's only going to be a handful of it that's I really have a connection with it, whether it's the experience, whether it's the condition, whether um, it was the the hardship to get to where it is. But that connection is um, truly the things that make me fulfilled and the thing that uh, fuel me to keep going through all these mm -hmm. struggles, through all this um, you know um, hardship that I have, um, you know, everyone gone through. I, I can't really say I gone through, but everyone also gone through this kind of hardship, um, mm. mostly in photography. So yeah, that would be my answer. I think it's a very good answer, and I think it's a very well-balanced answer. And something that you said actually there, I think that really stood out to me, is having the eye to be able to spot those nuances in the scene that's in front of you, as opposed to having the tunnel vision and only aiming for that one epic thing. But it's something, as you say, the ice crystal that's at your feet that you never thought of, which would make that image even better. So nature can present all these things for us, but unless we can see them as a photographer, then that doesn't translate into an image. So yeah, an excellent answer, excellent answer. Thank you for that. Okay, yeah. so look, I, I, I'll just I'll just add something quickly there, Darren. Yeah, um, yeah. I think as a photographer, you have the responsibility to master the skill, so that when the nature present itself, you have the ability to capture them. Yeah. True story. True story. Okay. So yeah, I'll take a last break and I'll be right back. I've got my three staple questions, my quick fire round of questions. So I'll be right back for the final part after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalog we have of episodes where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you're very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Stanley, like I said, I've got three questions I ask all my guests, and I'm really looking forward now to hearing your answers. First question, tell us a funny photography story. Oh, the, the, one of the funniest stories that I had was um, when I, uh, one of the first time I went in Canadian Rockies to shoot astrophotography myself. Um, and, you know, in there, it's a bear country, right? Bear country, so, yeah. it's, it's, it's a bit scary when you go by yourself. Um, and that area is quite known to have bears around, uh, but it's on the lookout. So there are fence around it. So I thought, you know, I have some heads, um, some, um, um, what do you call it? Like I'll, I'll get some, um, hear some noises and all that stuff. Right. And quite mm -hmm. protected. And I'm only about five minute walk to the car. So I started to set up my camera shoot a time lapse because I want to do a star trail shot of the area. So it was just taking a time lapse. I was just sitting there playing around with my phone and then suddenly I heard this noise. And it's like I was like, ooh, oh, it's probably in my head. And I was like, keep going and I heard it again. It's like and then 
after the third time, I, I freaked out. And, um, you know, I put on my headlamp, I pack everything out, and then I turn on the lamp, and it turns out it was just a tiny squirrel um, <laughs> <laughs> that came around. But at that time, you know, my adrenaline was already yeah. going up. I had, you know, goosebumps and everywhere. I'm just like, yep, nope, I'm, I'm packing my bag and I'm going home. <laughs> Was, it was a bear squirrel native to Canada. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was so funny because it was. Um, it was. It had to be one of the scariest moment of my oh, life yeah, as no well. <laughs> Just that tiny moment because I was by myself and the sun was very, very close. But um, yeah, looking back, I still laugh at it. It is uh, one of the <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, okay, second question: What gear do you shoot with? I I love my Canon. Um, I'm a Canon photographer, just like you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I shot with a 5D Mark IV, and um, that camera with my 2470 lens um, have gone through a lot. Um, The first trip that I took it with, I fell camera first on a rock, um, and it survived. Um, I just have to change the protective uh, coating. And then during my trip in Australia, uh, it got blew away to the rock on the highest level of the tripod. It was okay. And recently, um, last year, it fell down three meters down the cliff and it was about 30, 50 meters down the mountain. Um, I honestly didn't think it was going to stop. And I'm glad that it finally stopped um, because it was like tumble, 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 and it kind of slowed down. And it tumbled, tumbled, tumbled. I was like, no. But yeah, it still works. Um, just the you know, I uh, just have to unclip and reclip the the lenses, and it still works. So I love my Canon, uh, but in Canon five D, Canon six D for um, you know, for my second camera, especially for astrophotography, absolutely love that camera for mm-hmm. how much you pay for it. Um, but with lenses, I got um, sixteen thirty five Mark three. If you are in a Canon and you still you know. Um, have the the DSLR get the Mark III, not the Mark II, because they are just worlds apart. The twenty four seventy, the seventy two hundred with the extender to X extender. I've got a fourteen millimeter um, Samyang or Rokinon, depend on where you are. Um, I got fifteen millimeter um, fish eye and fifteen. T millimeter 1.4 um, lens and nice. yeah that's 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 my arsenal and um, at the moment here in Indonesia I use my my dad have an M6 as well Mark II so I kind of use that to to mess around with as well to take video and stuff like that but um, that's that's mainly it. Yeah, good. Good to hear another Canon user as well. I think we're going to. I'm hearing far too many Sony users these days, particularly from an astro point of view as well. So yeah, <laughs> keep going with the Canons. So okay, and the the third question I have, and you know, I know you probably will want to pick your camera because it's been something that has been, you know, your stalwart. But a very solid product, a product that you won't leave home without. You'd put your name to it if you could. What's yours? I think. <laughs> you know, um, I've gone through a lot of times where I go out there and almost miss a shot because of these two things. And I think these two things, um, I always check now if I ever going to go out. And that's a spare SD card and a spare battery. It's um, it's a lifesaver. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I 
I don't remember how many times it had saved me just because I thought I have an SD card in my camera or mm-hmm. I thought I had charge, uh, I have a full charge on my battery. So mm-hmm. if there's anything that, um, you know, I would make sure that I have, of course, apart from the camera and the lenses, it would be um, the extra battery and an SD card. Very good. Very good. Okay. So look, yeah, we're, we're, we're almost there. It's only two final questions really for me to ask you. And I think you've answered the one anyway for me, but maybe there's something else happening in between. So what's next for you? So you're going to Nepal in 20 days, but what's happening between now and then? You know, this is, uh, this is the exciting part about this world, um, you know, of, of being nomadic, being a travel photographer. Um, I could literally go anywhere, um, you know, with, with, uh, when the opportunity come itself. I have a lot of things in my bucket list. Um, one of the very high one is in, I want to go to um, Greenland, not, not Iceland, <laughs> Greenland. Yeah. And yeah. I want to explore the ice there. Um, I love um, exploring the ice, um, you know. Uh, but one thing that um, it's a challenge for me is to find somebody to go with me because I want to have a partner that, you know, we can explore with and look after each other, especially in the glacier and so forth. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, one of one of the bucket lists that I have is to be able to um, learn mountaineering and all these skills so that I could explore this place. Um, I'm hoping that I could go back to Canadian Rockies at some point um, for um, Aurora chasing um, as well as for backcountry skiing. Um, but you know, apart from that, there is a lot. There are a lot of places here in Indonesia that I still want to explore. Um, the places that are less visited, less known. I think mm-hmm. um, those places um, are deserve to to be told. The story deserve to be told. You know, the people there, the the landscapes. It's just incredible, and people always go to the same place, right? So, it's it it is one of my ambition in in my life to be able to do that, and I think. If there is one biggest ambition in my life is to have to build a camper van, a four-wheel drive camper van that practically could drive anywhere in the world. And I would sleep on it and I would drive it to every single country in this world. So mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I always wanted to do and we'll just see when it's going to happen. Good plan, good plan. And I think where can people find more information on you so they can follow your journey for the day that you get your camper van and then that you start doing up your camper van, customizing your camper van and setting off to every country in the world? I mean, you've 29 countries down, so you've only 164 to go. So where can people find more information on you? Um, you know, they can find me in um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and it's all at the wicked hunt like you know going on a hunt but it's a wicked one um mm-hmm. so just make sure you put the wicked hunt in there and you'll find me um but yeah i also have a, a website called thewickedhunt.com so uh, that is the best way to find me and if you are there if you come across my profile feel free to send a dm say hi i always reply to all of the messages it might not be right away it might not be you know in 24 hours but i um i don't i have not missed a a dm so far so yeah um say hi very good it's been a fascinating conversation stanley i've loved having you on the podcast i think i've really from my own point of view enjoyed hearing about your own photography journey but also in relation to how you help others and the importance of mindset as well um you know I look forward to one day welcome you to Ireland to kind of you know show you our 
no. dark sky reserves. So you won't have that one bit of a light in a crossroad over there. You only have the, the Atlantic for thousands of miles, I suppose, really a crossover onto the western side. Southwest as well, so you get the Milky Way. But yeah, watch out for those clouds. It's been great, Stanley. Thanks a million for coming in. Thank you very much. It's been uh, it's been a fun um, podcast to be in. It's uh, one of the the funnest podcasts I've, I've been in. So um, thank you very much for your thoughtful thoughtful question and thanks for having me. And um, I can't wait to go out there. And uh, I reciprocate. Uh, you know, if you ever come to Bali before I left, or you know wherever I will be in the world when <laughs> when I start travel again, please hit mm-hmm. me up. Please hit me up. Well, I'd love to take you out. Will do, bye. Will do. I have um, a phrase that I end every single podcast on. It's in our native language in Irish, and it's bye for now in Irish, which is slong the fall. So, Stanley, from me in Ireland to you in Bali, slong the fall. Slong the fall to you too. Wow, well pronounced. Good job. <laughs> hey guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts? Give us a five star rating and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.